Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. The school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We are incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title. For the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifests in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles and they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our father and his son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud is no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, 
everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape, took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifest himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And ten, to inherit eternal life now, 
in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Karen Gagno from our Madison class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Let's all bow our hearts and minds unto our Heavenly Father. Yahweh, we thank you for allowing us to be together tonight. We ask that you quiet our minds so we can focus on you today and every day. We ask that you put that heart within us, that we can understand you and love you and walk in your ways, and that we can love each other so we can be as one. We ask that we thank you for your love and your mercy and for all the blessings you bestow on us. Let's all say hallelujah. Um, hallelujah. Class, at this time, I'll be reading Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter from the Holy Name Bible, critically compared with ancient authorities, revised by A.B. Trainer of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland. Deuteronomy 10. At that time, Yahweh said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and come up unto me into the mount, and make thee an ark of wood. And I will write on the tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest, and thou shalt put them in the ark. And I made an ark of shittim wood, and hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and went up into the mount, having the two tables in my hand. And he wrote on the tables, according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which Yahweh spake unto you in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, in the day of the assembly. And Yahweh gave them unto me. And I turned myself and came down from the mount, and put the tables in the ark which I had made. And there they be, as Yahweh commanded me. And the children of Israel took their journey from the wells of the children of Jacan to Moserah, where Aaron died and where he was buried. And Eleazar, the son, ministered in the priest's office in his stead. And thence they journeyed unto Gadgoda and from Gadgoda to Jacbeth, a land of rivers of waters. And at that time, Yahweh separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, to stand before Yahweh to minister unto him and to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore, wherefore Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brother. Yahweh is his inheritance according to Yahweh thy Elohim promiseth him. And I stayed in the mount according to the first time, 40 days and 40 nights. And Yahweh hearkened unto me that time alone, and Yahweh would not destroy thee. And Yahweh said unto me, Arise and take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. And now, Israel, what doth Yahweh thy Elohim require of thee? but to fear Yahweh thy Elohim, 
to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve Yahweh thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of Yahweh and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is Yahweh's thy Elohim. The earth also with all that is therein is. Only Yahweh has had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For Yahweh your Elohim is a mighty El, and sovereign of sovereigns, a great El, mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh bribes. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear Yahweh thy Elohim. Him shall thou serve, and to him shall thou cleave, and swear by his name. He is thy praise, and he is thy Elohim, that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now Yahweh thy Elohim hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter. Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Ganyo. Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class and Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse class. This afternoon, we'll have a three-speaker format, each speaker getting approximately 35 minutes. And our first speaker today will be Dr. Sean Hudgenwardle from our Ontario, California class. Good evening, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Um, it's an honor and pleasure uh, to have the opportunity to <clears throat> stand before the brethren and uh, speak on some of the things that I've come to or that have been revealed to me that I've been able to understand since coming down to this school, uh, being under this great teaching. And, uh, you know, with, with recent events, uh, it, it definitely highlights the fact that you can sit two people down to, under the same thing and one person sees and one person doesn't. And that is definitely a powerful thing that Yahweh has uh, made manifest throughout this creation. Uh, that he can have people just to be so deluded And, it's, and it goes so, to show forth his purpose. Um, I got a lot on my mind and I'm just trying to get a grasp of it here a little bit. 
you know, read uh, Deuteronomy, start at the seventh, and the scripture lesson at 17th verse. Deuteronomy 10, 17. For Yahweh your Elohim is Elohim of Elohims, master of masters, a great Elohim, a mighty and an awesome Elohim who regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. Keep reading. He doth execute the justice for the fatherless and widow and loveth the traveler in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the sojourner for ye were sojourners in the land of Egypt. See, we have, we have, a, we have a pattern that we go by here in this school. And what I want to do is try to set up a little bit of a foundation here. Um, we're not worshiping a God that's above the sun, moon, and stars. We're not worshiping a man. We are worshiping the ultimate source, substance, limits and bounds of everything, like I said, in the, the moderation. Our, our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, is the all in all, and that's all. And you can't ascribe you can't ascribe that to just a person, a place, or a thing. Yahweh, our Elohim, is eternal, meaning there's no beginning, there's no ending. Right there in that 17th verse uh, in the Holy Name Bible, he says he's the sovereign of sovereigns. He's the King of Kings. He is mighty. I mean. We can't even comprehend how vast eternity is. <laughs> I mean, it has no beginning. It has no, therefore, it has no end. So you can't comprehend this thing. And, and I'm seeing a lot, of, I've seen some people lately taking this and they're trying to put it on put it into a man, put it on a man. Now, they're missing the, they're missing the boat here because, oh my goodness. Why does this happen every time? I always get so nervous here on these Zoom meetings and not being in front of the charts is, is hard, but I'm so used to being uh, in class. He hear you. Anyhow, so... Yahweh in pure spirit encompasses everything. And in order for him to, when he created this creation, he, he took on shape and form. And when he took on shape and form, that is Elohim. And from that point on, Yahweh Elohim, that shape and form created everything that there is. In the creation. That is his only begotten son. That's a super incorporeal shape and form without having flesh and blood. And you've got the stars out in the universe. You've got all of the celestial bodies and all of the terrestrial bodies, and they all are, 
are in the likeness and image of that shape and form of Elohim. And we didn't know anything about that until we got the pattern. And it was there before that pattern was there from the creation of the universe, but we didn't know about it until Yahweh Elohim revealed himself to the founder and dean of this school, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley. He revealed himself in a vision and revelation and showed him how he showed the same thing to Moses and to John and few other people that there's, he was made according to a pattern. They, give me, give me Exodus 25 and 8. Exodus 25, 8 and 9? Yeah. Exodus 25 and 8. Mm -hmm. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That I may dwell among them. That So let them make me a sanctuary. He didn't say, so I will dwell among them. That I may, so, so that I may dwell among them. That may is a big word. Read. According to all that I showed thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Make that, make that after that pattern. Make them, a, make them a sanctuary and make it after the pattern of that tabernacle. Let's get down to the last verse. Verse 40. Mm -hmm. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was shown thee in the mount. That pattern that that tabernacle was made of is, is shown after that pattern. That we, man, I'm just, I'm all over the place right now. I'm trying to get down to, I'm trying to get to something here. And I know what I want, but I just, I don't have my book in front of me. Give me one second here. Mm -hmm. All right. Romans 10 and 1. Mm -hmm. Romans 10 and 1. Sorry. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Yahweh for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for Yahweh, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of Yahweh's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Yahweh. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm showing, what I'm trying to get to here is that we have this, we have this pattern and it was given to show us how we were made in the likeness and image of Yahweh so that Yahweh may be able to dwell with us. Um, we've got, we've got 
there we have a zeal of Yahweh. Everybody just has some kind of feeling that there's something. I know at least I can speak for myself and most people for that matter have some kind of feeling that there is a higher power that is in control of everything. And before I came into the school, I, I really, I would look up to, the, uh, up to the stars. I would pray, raise my hands up, all of that stuff and think that, you know, I would want to get close to God. I would want to get close to my creator and know something about my creator. And it wasn't until uh, somebody told me about this school and I came down and I learned something about the unity of the spirit that I actually had the ability to really know something about my heavenly father. I mean, tragic things would happen before I came down to this school and I would just be like, wow, like, why would God do this? Why would, why would our creator do this to like, why would they kill all of these people off like this and, and things like that? And I just had no understanding. And, but I knew that there had to be something. I knew that there had to be uh, uh, something bigger, but I just didn't understand why he did what he did. And then you get this pattern and you, and you start to see that everything goes according to this pattern. And when you understand the structure and function of this, most holy place, holy place, and court roundabout, and that Father, Word, and Holy Spirit, and that blood, that water, and that spirit, and you start lining those things up and correlating those things to everything in the universe, you can see the righteous principles of Yahweh. And you can line that up with whatever you got going on and see if, it, if it's operating according to that pattern, it's good. If not, it's not good. I like the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, where it says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. You hold on to that, those things that are good. And I might be all over the place. Um, and, and I apologize if I am. What? I had so much on my mind and then I get called up onto the floor to say something and it's just like, <clears throat> it always happens to me. Oh, yeah. He's the pattern. Oh, um, excuse me? He's the pattern. I'm bringing you back to where you were. Yeah. He, he is the pattern. And uh, just one second, just let me calm down. I get a little bit of anxiety when I start thinking about these things and I'm trying to say it the right way. And I think I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a little bit of anxiety because what, what we're doing is we're trying to, 
We're trying to tell you something that we know that's going to say that's going to help you save your soul. And I don't want to be up here leading anybody the wrong direction. I don't want to get up here at any time and say something that is is not true. And that's why I get a little bit of anxiety. You know, I used to be a liar. And I remember I would lie just to just I would practice lying just to get better at practicing lying until it got to a point where I seen the effects of what happened when people lied to me and I didn't like it so much. And I wanted a way out, but I didn't know any difference because in the world, people lie to each other. It, you got this thing called white lies, and then you got, you know, the, the dark lies and whatnot. I, I don't even know. Uh, just lie. They're all just lies, though, and they never feel good. And when, when I came into this school and I found out that Satan is a liar and he's the father of it, like, you would hear in, Christian, in Christendom, they would always say in Christianity, the devil is a lie. And I didn't really understand what that meant. I mean, I knew, yeah, the devil is a lie, but he is. He actually is everything that's a lie. Give me John 14, and I think it's what he says. Uh, I am the way, 14, 6. Is that yes. it? Yes. John 14, verse 6. Now, this is yeah. the Messiah talking. And, you know, and then and then give me the one where uh, ye are of your father, uh, the devil. Give me that one as well, too. I'm gonna go ahead and read. John 8, 44. But read, read 14 and 6 first. John 14 and 6. Yahshua saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, Yahshua is the truth. Mm -hmm. So when I come out of all of those lies that I used to that I used to tell all the time to try to get by, because it, it felt like nice guys always finish last. That's what I was taught. You know, I was told by my parents when I was going to follow, fill out a job application to lie on the application just to get in the door. You know, so there was times where I thought that lying was a good thing to do for, for whatever reason. Now, I don't want to lie. If I got to lie to get to get something across, then I don't I just don't want any parts of it. It's just not for me. I'd rather I'd rather tell the truth about it. And it's liberating to have the truth behind something. And it's important because, see. When you lie about something, whatever, how, if it's, uh, if it, if it's for a good cause in, in your, in your own mind, whatever, you know, when that lie is exposed, you don't look good any kind of way you cut it. It doesn't matter what you do, like, or, or what the reason why you're doing it. Like, I remember with Santa Claus, for an example, like, I was a kid and, you know, you know, my parents told me Santa Claus was real until that one year that I went behind the bar uh, 
that I wasn't supposed to go behind for. And I saw all of my presents wrapped up and they didn't have no labels on them or anything like that. And then when the, on Christmas day, I went up there and the exact same presents that were wrapped up behind the bar had sent on and I'm like, oh yeah, you're doing early deliveries, huh? And I, and I looked at my parents. I didn't, I lost trust for my parents. I thought they were liars. I didn't trust anything that they told me for a long time. And that's my, that's my mother and father. And how like big is that for a child not to be able to trust their parents that are supposed to be guiding you and leading you uh, through life? Now, am I supposed to do, am I supposed to continue doing what they tell me to do? If I don't believe them, how hard is it for you to do that? How hard is it for you? I mean, I'm just asking a question. I'm just, you know, how hard is it for one to do something that somebody's telling you to do when you don't believe or trust anything that they're saying? Go ahead and give me that John 8. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, is that where you want? I mean, <laughs> I had to come to that realization in my own consciousness that there's consequences for our actions. Whatever I decide that I'm going to do, I'm choosing what I'm going to serve. And... I, I like in the in the introduction to uh, the archetype. Doctor mm -hmm. Kinley writes is probably like in a fourth fourth or fifth paragraph. There, he says something along the lines of the only way that you'll be able to come to. Uh, an understanding or, or, or an appreciation of what has been revealed to him as, as you know, as he understands and comparatively few, few others is based solely on your ability to accept the truth. And what we just read over there on, uh, in, in, in John four, four, 14 and 6, Yahshua said he is the truth. Now, you want to be accepting Yahshua, which is the truth. And we got out there in Christendom teaching people to get baptized in water, but we know that water is not going to, physical water is not going to make us clean. We need to be baptized or immersed in Yahshua, which is the truth. And what I, I mentioned over in Thessalonians, proving all things and holding fast to that which is good. Now, if it's true, you can prove it. 
And if you can't prove it, then you can't afford to believe it because we're talking about your soul salvation here. And that is the most beautiful thing that I found about this school when I came down here is that they told me not to believe anything that anybody was saying unless I could prove it, unless it could be backed up in the scriptures and in science. Now, some people have moved away from that standard mm-hmm. and just going along with it, it if it would it with 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 some sort of building of a tradition a hierarchy if you will instead of proving that dr kinley was telling the truth about things just going ahead and on believing in it and then following his predecessors, and following the flesh. And I'm not following anybody who, I'm not following it. Kinley, I'm not following Harris, I'm not following any Hudgen Wardle, <laughs> I'm not following Love, I'm not following Bopi, I'm not following anybody but Yahshua the Messiah. Yahshua. Now, I started off talking about this unity of the spirit, and I'm probably going to run out of time here, and I just started getting a little bit of gas. <laughs> Yahweh being pure spirit is the all in all. Yah being masculine, Way being feminine. And he, when he took on that shape and form, he titled that shape and form of himself as Elohim. And when that when that superincorporeal being of Elohim manifested that spirit of righteousness, truth, peace, and justice into a physical body and love into a physical body, that is Yahshua. Right. That is the truth. Now, give me Ezekiel. You are the anointed cherub that covered. Give me that real quick. Because, see, Romans Romans 8. uh, Oh, man, where's it at? Let me get it real quick. Romans 8. And, oh, jeez. 20. Romans 8 and 20, you say? Yes. Yes. Okay. Romans 8, verse 20. Hmm? For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. That's why we're here down in school right now. For the creation or the creature was made subject to vanity. Now, we're not talking about looking in the mirror because I've got my hair done and i got looking good and all of that kind of stuff. We're talking about a, a, a emptiness. We're talking about an ignorance, that vanity of not knowing who your, who your creator is. And, he, and that creature was made subject 
to vanity. And it wasn't something that we did willingly. It was by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Now, Doc used to say that that mystery of iniquity to him was an asset. But to you who don't know anything that in that who's steeped in that vanity, it's a liability. Mm -hmm. Because see, Yahweh created a worthy adversary to oppose him. And go ahead, we got that that anointed chair that covereth thing. All right, that's Ezekiel 28 and 14. Mm -hmm. If if that's where you'd like me to start. Thou art the anointed cherub that, cherub that covereth, mm -hmm. and I have set thee so. He set him so. See, right there in Romans 8 and 20, it says it was subject to vanity. The creature was subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him to, who subjected the same in hope. Now, we are over here in Ezekiel talking about that mystery of iniquity, Satan, and he's saying right there that... Hey, you Satan or Lucifer or whatever you want to call him, you are the anointed cherub that covered something that's anointed is already past that uh that fourth step in that pattern of that tabernacle. And we know upon the, the research and investigation and, and looking at these uh looking up these things that 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 angel Lucifer was cast onto that veil, to that sixth step. We couldn't go back in to that most holy place. And he, that second compartmental veil that covers up that most holy place that always stays closed, that, that's covering up Yahweh's secret hiding place. Now, now, that that mystery of iniquity is covering up the truth about the matter of what you are, who you're looking for. Now, there's another scripture where he says uh, he will come uh, in the clouds. Yeah, we talk about the Messiah coming in the clouds. Does anybody know what that is? Uh, I'm not good at these scriptures, but I just want to get a point if we can find that real quick. It's in Acts first chapter that he's kind of the same. Did anybody catch that? Acts the first chapter verse. What verse? Now appear in the cloud. Yeah, I'm talking when he's coming the same matter as he was taken up in the cloud. That, that's what you're looking for? Right. Thessalonians 4.17 Thessalonians 4.17 Yeah Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Yahshua in the air and so shall we ever be with Yahshua Okay Right, Revelation 1 7. Revelation 1 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Yes. And every eye shall see him, 
and they also which pierced him and all kindred of the earth shall well because of him, even so. Yes. So in, in Christianity, when they're talking about Joshua or Jesus coming in the clouds, they're thinking about him coming down silver surfing on some kind of a cloud where everybody can see him up above the sky. It's going to be like rays of sun coming around him and everything. And it's just going to look like something off of an off of awesome movie that was done by Warner Brothers, you know, Universal Studios or something. It's big time, big production, you know. And what we know by having this pattern is that in that most holy place, the angel of Yahweh appeared in the cloud on that mercy seat. And the two angels, Michael and Gabriel, it, it, it looked like they might have been looking at each other, but they weren't looking at each other. They were looking at the cloud for the information. Five minutes, Dr. Hudson-Wordle. All right. They were, they were looking at that cloud. Now, <laughs> That's, man, I, oh, geez. How did I just get here and just get, <laughs> and we've got this mystery of iniquity. This, that old boy covering, hiding that from us, hiding the truth about Yahweh, who is in our, in, a, in our consciousness, in that cloud, in our minds. Now you've got that, you've got that cloud dwelling on the arch on the uh, on the mercy seat in that tabernacle, which is a type and shadow of Yahweh Elohim manifesting himself or, or, or operating in the cloud of your mind. And when we are raised up in our own theories, concepts, and opinions, thinking that things are one way just because we like it that way, and we don't have the, the truth about it, then we're being deceived by that mystery of iniquity. And what we're trying to do here, and I did a I feel like I did a horrible job, but what, what we're trying to do here is to get people to see something truthful, to turn away from the lies, to turn away from the deception, to ask the question, is what I think I know actually the truth? Or is it an opinion? Well, I think I think that's an, that's enough for me. I I hope that something was got out of uh, what I said today. And uh, if so, all praises be to our heavenly Father Yahweh through His only begotten Son, Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Hudgen-Wardle. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Janine Whitfield from our Detroit class.
Oh boy. Well, Sean, I'm right up there with you. Talk about anxiety and heart beating. Uh, mm-hmm. I was not expecting this, but it's okay because um, I always have a testimony of what uh, my father has shown me since coming into this school. And I want to say also, uh, Sean, you said a lot of very important things. And the fact that when we're conscious of ourselves, see, we're not quite confident about what we're delivering. But I have found oftentimes if um, you go back and you listen to what may have been spoken through you, sometimes you're able to see it wasn't as bad as you thought. Um, So what we have to do ultimately is to become less conscious of ourselves, meaning our personalities and the things that we think that we're doing, because truly it is the Holy Spirit that speaks within us. And so I'm asking within myself to please give me words that can be edifying to the body as well as myself. Now, Jean left off with talking about the unity of the spirit and demonstrating how it is that our father taking on a shape and form known as Yahweh Elohim, a visionary shape and form, is the sonship degree, if you will. It is also the image by which the whole creation is created. And what he did is he gave us a pattern to prove that the things that we see are made according to the unity of the spirit. So let's go back to John one and one for a minute and talk about in the beginning and uh, this beginning that is different from the beginning in Genesis one and one is also important because if you were ever trying to get any understanding of the scriptures and you were to read in John one and one in the beginning, then you go, if you began it at uh, Genesis and you read in the beginning, you should be confused. Like what beginning, who's beginning, what is this all about? But that's where this teaching and this vision that was given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, that is where it comes in and it corrects and straightens out all those crooked roads that we had, including the ones in our mind, the imaginations. And I used to lie too. There was nothing else to do but lie. That's what the whole creation teaches. And you have to remember that that was the influence that we were under, all of us. And so when Yahshua called us out of the world, he, he gets busy retraining us. We were trained by the world under his influence. But it was corrected for me. And I was made to understand that the devil only occupies you. He, doesn't, he, he does not have, um, like uh, Sean said, that sixth step in the tabernacle is the veil that's covering. You have always been Elohim, but you did not know that 
And even in saying that, there's a knowledge that comes with that understanding that brings you up to that point. You know, and as I have often said, every state and condition must be respected in order for you to really get to that point where you really understand what, what it is or who you are and whose you are. So let's get the scripture, John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. Okay, so that's one point right there that is showing us that out of that pure spirit state of Yahweh, that in order for anything to take place, he had to move. He had to move. And the way in which he moved was by taking on a shape and a form in part. Read. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. Yes. All things were made by him and without him, was not anything made that was made. Okay, pause. Now, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. All does mean all. So we're talking about that that you can see <clears throat> and that that's invisible. Okay, now keep in mind, we're visible creatures. We basically move and operate according to what we can see. And yet we have been operating with Yahweh's uh, attributes in us unknowingly because we did it for carnal reasons. We did it for lust, lustful reasons. So we didn't know that we were even operating with the attributes of the creator prior to coming into this school. Okay. So go back to the scripture you just read, read that again. He created all things. Um, three, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, pause. Now that means that he also created this, this uh, angelic being known as satanic spirit, the mystery of iniquity. He also created him. He is a creature, an angelic creature. And we were made subject to him because he was cast out, out of heaven. His place never to be found there no more. So that high and lofty state that he used to be in until iniquity was found in him. He was kicked out, cast out. Read. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The only reason we have light is because of what is dwelling within us. Read. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Read. There was a man sent from Elohim whose name was John. Mm -hmm. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now it's through him, that light, it's going to be through him. So that goes back to when Sean was saying, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the light. No man, no man comes to the father, but by Yahshua the Messiah. Let's be very clear. You're not going around. You're not going under, over. You must go through Yahshua the Messiah. Read. He was, um, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. 
that really? was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Okay, so he already lighted. That's what I'm saying. He lighted every man that comes into the world because we have to remember we are made in the image and likeness of our creator, whether we know it or not. It doesn't take away from the fact that you still are made in his image and likeness, which is why you have been operating with his attributes in you all this time ignorantly. You see now, you know that you have to have a certain amount of wisdom to drive a car or to do a job or to understand or to teach math or whatever the case may be. You operating with his light in you and you don't know it. Why? Because the devil is occupying or influencing. You're under his influence. It's like being drunk. So we've been under his influence and not one man escaped that. And the proof of that is in Revelations where it says he deceiveth the whole world. Nobody, no human being was exempt. Read. 10. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Imagine that. Imagine that. Here you are a creature imaged like the creator. And let's just say you create something. You done created a little kingdom. I like to use the example of me and my little dolls when I was a little girl. And I done created this little kingdom. And nobody knows that I'm the one who did it. I'm insulted. You know, it's just a really kind of a silly example. Or how about when a, a producer makes a great, great movie and everybody just is just loving it and it's just so great. And he is making known that I'm the one who did it and the world or the people ignore that, so to speak. These aren't poor examples, but anyway, keep reading. <laughs> he came unto his own and his own received him not. That's no surprise. Okay, read. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of Yahweh, even to them that believe on his name. Now, that's how we have come to believe and know and understand the things that we are learning, knowing, and understand. It's by the foolishness of preaching. And Yahweh chose it to be that way. I mean, if you think about it, when he delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, <laughs> he chose a lamb. <laughs> A lamb. I mean, does that sound like a big, beautiful, powerful creator? Kind of like, no. But it's his creation and it's his creatures and he does things the way he chooses for his glory. That's what we have to understand. This is not our creation. This is not our story. This is not our purpose. We're just here as pilgrims visiting for a period of time, you know? And those of us who have been fortunate enough to be called and chosen, there's a difference. You can be called, think about those seeds that fell on the various grounds. You can be called, because Yahshua in his grace and his mercy would that all men would come to repentance, but all will not hear his voice. And so we know that. But make no mistake about it, our creator is gracious and merciful and, and long-suffering. 
So everybody has an opportunity to hear. But as Dr. Volpe said that other night in that class, you hear with your ears, but you don't understand with your heart. See, that takes the Holy Spirit in you. Now, he would do that for all men if the man's heart was on, if he was willing. You have to have a willing heart. You have to pursue this teaching, too. You have to demonstrate a zeal or you can be called dull, having a knowledge and still become dull. Read. 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but by Yahweh Elohim. All right. Now, see, that's his begotten son now coming down in the flesh. But it wasn't the will of the man, woman, a man and woman coming together. No, no, no. This was purposed before the foundation of the world that his only begotten son, Elohim, would then manifest in a physical body and be called in that state and condition, be called Yahshua Messiah. Let's pause for a minute and take the beautiful example of H2O. Water or, yes, H2O exists in a gaseous state which is likened unto our father in pure spirit. Water exists in a liquid state, which would take on the shape and form of anything you put it in. Okay, that would be likened unto Yahweh Elohim. That's all water though. And then that same, same liquid form condescends. This is all a condensation. This is all a coming down. That's important. It's a coming down. So then that same liquid takes on a shape and a form that is solid that can be handled called ice. That's likened unto Yahshua the Messiah. But check it out. When that ice finishes its business, so to speak, it's going back to liquid. And when that liquid finishes its business, so to speak, it's going back to spirit. We're on a round trip. See, we are compassed about with so many cloud or a great cloud of witnesses that prove, as the founder said, the validity of what it is that we are preaching or teaching about. So now the unity of the spirit, we're con I'm pretty confident, we're confident that it's all one. But now I've said this and I'll say it again. Ice does not do the same thing as a liquid or a liquid yet. And liquid doesn't do the same thing as steam, meaning that when you're working with H2O in various states, it has to be respected as in that state. So if you want a nice cold glass of water, you're not going to put more water in the glass, you're going to put ice cubes in the glass. You see? So everything has its purpose. And that's why Yahshua said, no man comes to the Father but by me. He's the big kahuna. You got to go through Yahshua the Messiah to do what? To get back to the Father. Mm -hmm. That's that round trip that we're on. And see, so then when you realize that you have been under the influence 
of the satanic spirit or let's get more um, uh, I don't know when I thought about you know the devil when I was young it was always such a like a mythical kind of scary kind of a story and it's really so practical when you think about it you're under the influence of something that has opposite attributes than that thing that is righteous. You've been under that influence. And if you've got to, you've got to be honest and fair about it now. See, so you have to really look at what you have come out of. And I want to, uh, I have been on this, um, Yashua's had me on the uh, course of the new creature lately. The new creature is, and I think it's somewhere in Colossians, where what we're realizing once we have been taken captive, and we want to be under this captivity, once we've been taken captive, and we have, when Yahshua the Messiah comes to get us, so to speak, and he starts to train us, retrain us, in other words, that this in the world is decreasing and that that Yahshua is teaching you is increasing. It's done as a process and it's gradual and it's lovingly done because he loves us. And he loves, I mean, it, there's nothing Yahshua the Messiah won't do for his son. But I wanna just put this out here for consideration. It's something to really think about. When we say that Yahshua is your only hope of glory, Yahshua in you is your only hope of glory. The question that I ask is, then where are you? Where is that personality? Where is that, that one Janine that the world knew and defined and would use various characteristics to explain who I am? Oh, I know Janine, she's the one who does this or she's like that and so forth and so on. See, that's what we're losing. That standing, if you had one in the world or whatever it is that you had, so you're losing that. That don't mean that you don't operate in the world because you're still physical. So we don't wanna be silly about this. You're gonna still go to work. You're gonna still do what it is that Yahweh has given you to do, but you do it different. Because mm -hmm. see, now you're doing everything to the glory of Yahweh. And see, every day matters. Every day you get up, you're doing things with thoughtfulness, with intention, with an intention, with, you know, he, he, that's becoming that new creature. See, so he teaches you how to do your job better, how to wash clothes better, how to cook better. All these things are being made new because you're looking through a different lens now. That's part of what it means to become that new creature. So when I say, if Yahshua in you, if you've crossed that sixth veil, that veil, and you now see who is truly sitting on your throne, and it is no longer the devil occupying your tabernacle, Mm -hmm. And Yahweh has given you a new spirit, his spirit. And you now recognize 
whose you are and who you are, then we can't be becoming anything else but Yahshua the Messiah. Now, we're his body. This is what's been revealed to me. We're not the head, mm-hmm. but you have a body. And the body is a body of principle. So that's a body within a body. And that where the head goes, the body follows. And that's, that's what that makes you then. So no, we're not called by the name of Yahshua in a practical sense. And yes, Yahshua, if he tabernacled in a physical body on the earth plane for 33 and a half years, and he performed and fulfilled everything that was written to a jot and a tittle that was written in the law and in the prophets, and then he died, was buried, resurrected, and poured out what is known as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the truth. And that is what's tabernacling in you, though it may be tabernacling in you to uh, a lesser degree than in some others. You know, we're all learning. We're still learning. But nevertheless, that is what's tabernacling in you if your heart is sincere and if it's pure and if it's, you know, you got to be clean and you got to be naked before Yahshua the Messiah. And then during these times is when he's truly cleaning us up and he's causing and making us to look at the cracks and the, the, the holes that are in us because you don't go, you're not entering into the kingdom. The kingdom is being, the, is formed right now, but you don't enter in fully dirty. You're being trained. That's what's happening to us. We are being trained in his kingdom. Now I had a scripture, I think it's in Colossians where I was looking at, um, trying to look at the new creature. Second um, Second Corinthians 5, 17. Yes, and let's pick up a train of thought if you can, please. Thank you. Mm, let's see. Uh, I'll pick it up at 14. For the love of the Messiah constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Mm-hmm. He died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Pause for just a second. I'm sorry. So we're not living unto ourselves anymore. See, that's important too. And what that means, and I just want to say this because I don't know, we've been so horribly abused in the world and the thoughts and ideas that we have are just so off. But um, not living into ourselves anymore is really freedom. <laughs> you ain't got to pretend no more. You don't have to put on no more. You don't have to try and strive and contend and, and compete and, and, and do all those things. You don't have to do that anymore. You know, the world is grievous. That's the grief. So you're not living unto yourself anymore. You're living unto Yahshua, the Messiah. You're living unto Yahweh, Elohim in you. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to live unto him? It's, it just means you're, you're checking and balancing. I mean, you're walking in a different 
way. And you spend a lot more time in that heavenly place, in that joy and that peace and that understanding in the Holy Spirit. And it makes living in the natural world kind of like, see, that's our first nature. Because I, I had said once before that, um, you know, this has become second nature to us now. Wrong. No, no, no. This is our first nature. And mm-hmm. what's second nature or what's third and last now is how we operate and function in the world. And operating and functioning in the world doesn't take as much of you as it used to. Because you operate on a whole different level now. You're, you're, you're operating on principles on high and you could run circles around any of the former uh, philosophers or even the, the, the up-to-date philosophical teachers of today. But they ain't gonna hear us. We just look common, insignificant, seemingly insignificant people. Mm-hmm. But with what's tabernacling in these earthen, how's it go? We have treasures in these earthen vessels. Mm-hmm. And you be careful because, and I'm saying this in a way, I'm saying people better be careful who they run up on because there's power in this teaching. We have been told and read the transcript called The Power Within. And Dr. Kinley said, look, if it's not in you, I'm paraphrasing, I'm summarizing or whatever. If it's not in you in a way that it can help you in your everyday life today, right now, and that you believe, you believe Yahweh, you believe and you have faith that he going to take care of it. You got to go on and turn aside after you have that faith and belief. If you don't use it, then the very same thing that you, that is supposed to free you and give you liberty can put you in bonds of change, chains and take you down to degradation. Now, we see, see, see that right here in this teaching. The sad thing is, is they don't know it. I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's given for us to look at and to see what happens when you don't do what Yahshua says, which is follow me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. And I will not give my glory to another. Mm-hmm. Now, if you insist on following another, then a strong delusion have at it. And we see that. So the new creature that we are becoming and the gifts that we have been given, the treasures that we have in these earthen vessels is precious. It is precious. And I love and appreciate the training that we are receiving now because it's very tight, if you notice. No stone can be left unturned. And we are not doing, and when I say this, I want to be very clear because even the language is starting to change. We have to know who we are. And acknowledging that within yourself, having that conversation within you, knowing that you have access. You don't have to, as the first speaker said, follow no man, no dean. No, no, no. Each and every tub must sit on its own bottom and you have access directly to your creator. That is the gift that was brought to us. And talking to him 
and asking him, pursuing him, you know, showing that zeal for him, being motivated, being inspired by him. Oh, he will lay it out for you. The more you come to him, the more he delights in that. Because now you're giving your creator the glory, the honor, the reverence that he deserves. And you're rewarded for that. We are sons. We are princes and princesses, sons and daughters. But there is no female and male. I'm saying that for um, understanding's sake. We are all the woman that is greatly loved by our creator. I yield the floor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Whitfield. And our third speaker will be the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Hello, everyone. Uh, are you hearing me okay? Yes. Okay, just yeah. want to make sure. I have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed the testimonies of Dr. Hudge and Wardle and Dr. Whitfield. Uh, there was a lot of excellent points that were made. Uh, I can only say that uh, time will not permit us to go into all the different things that I think uh, we could actually springboard off of. What I'd like to do is I want to go back over to our scripture reading tonight in Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter. And I want to start at verse 11, if you wouldn't mind. Deuteronomy 10, 11. And Yahweh said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore unto their fathers to give unto them. Mm -hmm. And now, Israel, what doth Yahweh thy Elohim require of thee? There's a lot of background noise in there somewhere. Um. And now, Israel, what doth Yahweh thy Elohim require of thee but to fear Yahweh thy Elohim, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve Yahweh thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Now, right there, right there is a very key point in this particular chapter that has to be, we have to take note of it. Now, they were about to go in to their uh if you will, their inheritance, to receive their inheritance. And we know further up in the chapter, he made the point that the Levites were not going to get the same kind of an inheritance that the rest of the other 12 tribes were getting. Their inheritance was Yahweh. Now, one thing I want to say about that is this. In Exodus, the 19th chapter, uh, don't get it, uh, Yahweh talked about, uh, and it's over there, that Yahweh would make Israel a kingdom of priests. So the Levites, who were the priesthood tribe, are actually representing that body of Israel, and that that body of Israel is a kingdom of priests, which means their inheritance is Yahweh. Now, at first glance, if you didn't understand the importance of that statement, you would think, well, gee, the Levites got kind of gypped. They didn't get a nice parcel of land up there in the land of Canaan like, like one of the other tribes did, you know, with, 
uh, uh, rolling hills and green and all these kind of things. But if you understood what it means for you to receive Yahweh or Yahshua in your heart, and I think uh, Janine emphasized this, uh, that Yahshua is a treasure. All the hidden treasures of Yahweh are contained in that body. Now for you to receive of his spirit, that's your inheritance, ladies and gentlemen. That is more precious than a piece of dirt somewhere that you map out and say, this is my parcel of land. Now here, Yah uh, uh, Yahweh wanted it to be made known to Israel that what they're going into the land, they're going to get their inheritance, but he wanted them to know what Yahweh required of them. And what he required of them is to fear Yahweh thy Elohim. Now that word fear means to have respect, to have awe for your creator, and to have reverence for your creator, and to walk in all his ways. Now to walk in all of his ways cannot be done with a carnal mind and a carnal nature. You're just not going to get that done and we can see, and I talked about this at another class this week, that when Israel was gathered around that mountain at Mount Sinai, and Yahweh spoke in that law, it was absolutely impossible for those Israelites to keep that law because Yahweh did not give them the heart to keep that law. Now over in Deuteronomy in another place, a few chapters before this one, Yahweh said this, he said, Oh, that there was such a heart in the people to fear me and to keep my commandments and to love me. Now, the heart was the problem with the Israelite. They did not have the proper heart in order to do those things. Now, what Yahweh is saying here is, is that what he requires of you is to walk in all his ways, to love him, and to serve Yahweh with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now, in order to do that, we have to have something happen. Because the Israelites came to the table, I'll say it that way, or came to the mountain with a carnal mind, which is impossible to please Yahweh. You read that over in Romans, the 8th chapter. They did not have the nature. They didn't have the soul or the heart that could get the job done to please Yahweh. And therefore, it was a foregone conclusion right from the onset that they would not be able to keep that law from Mount Sinai. Now what we're finding out though is Yahweh had already set that thing up according to his purpose because the inheritance is in Yahshua the Messiah. That's where all the treasures are. That's where all of the jewels are. And therefore without Yahshua being in you, you cannot, cannot serve Yahweh. Nor can you be obedient to his commandments. So in Ezekiel, well, first of all, we read in Jeremiah 31, 31, that Yahweh's going to make a new agreement, a new covenant. The covenant that he made at Mount Sinai, Yahweh never agreed to put anything inside the people. All he said was, I'll agree to be your Elohim. He didn't agree to put anything in them. But the new covenant is going to be completely different. Because in Ezekiel, let's somebody run over and get for me Ezekiel 36, 
and start at 24. Ezekiel 36, 24. For I will take you from among the heathen. Now listen, and then, he's going to take you from among the heathen. Let, let us not make any mistake about this. The heathen are those that know not Yahweh or call upon his name, so stated in Jeremiah the 10th chapter. So in other words, listen, we, when we walked in this room, did not know the name of our creator. I'm not going to say that as a blanket statement for everyone, but the vast majority of us did not know the name Yahweh. Nor, nor did we call upon his name. And so what I want to say is we were heathen when we were out there in the world, and the people that we loved and we associated with our families, friends, and so on, they were heathen also. So when he said, I'm going to take you from among the heathen, every one of us have been called out from that ignorance, that state of darkness, to come into the glorious light of the knowledge of Yahweh's purpose and plan. We've been called out of that darkness. We've been given a name by which we now identify as in that name of Yahweh or Yahshua under this covenant now, which means that Yahweh is salvation. We identify in the name of Yahweh in Yahshua. Now listen, that's the name of the entire family now, both in heaven and in earth. Now, in Ezekiel said, I'm going to call you from among the heathen. Keep reading, Sharon. And gather you out of all countries and will bring you unto your own land. Now your land, ladies and gentlemen, is dwelling in Yahshua the Messiah. That is the promised land. That the physical one up there that we call Canaan's land was a type and a shadow or an allegory of. Now our soul has to dwell in Yahshua. And that's exactly what Yahshua's done. He came in to gather those souls that the Father has given them unto himself. Now I want to show you why that's important. Because Yahweh, his purpose to start with, right from the onset, was to bring about offspring and make himself known to his creatures. Now, in that state of pure spirit, it would be impossible for any creature to know the totality of Yahweh in pure spirit. It just cannot be done. It cannot be done. So what he elected to do was to make himself known in part. And so he took on a form that was him in part. It was a lesser form of that pure spirit state. But that form was going to reveal and able to manifest the divine attributes that Yahweh is in pure spirit. So, what we have to understand then is this, that that state that Yahweh came out of, what he is going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is he's going to bring us to a knowledge of himself by manifesting himself first in what we call the Eloistic incorporeal form, and then further in the physical form of Yahshua the Messiah. That he created or formed those two bodies. He formed that incorporeal body and he transmuted in that physical body and Yahweh himself was manifested in Elohim and in Yahshua, manifesting his own self. 
so that we might know something or understand him. Greg, get me back over there to where you were earlier on the uh, 40-plate chart. You were showing the picture of, of the uh, veils up there, and I want to go back over to where you, where you were. I think that's, uh, yeah, the Godhead there, plate mm -hmm. three. Now, can you zoom in? All right, great. Now, what you see there, if you look at those veils on plate three, we see that the first veil down there around the stomach area of Yahweh Elohim, though that veil where those writing of invisible uh, or unseen is the veil between the court roundabout and the holy place. Mm. Now, that's because, and don't, don't move the, the chart, but over to the left on plate one, you look at the tabernacle. And what you got to understand is that the two compartments that we call the most holy place and holy place are not in the physical creation. They're not fleshly or physical or tangible. The most holy place genders to Yahweh in his pure spirit state, and the holy place genders to the incorporeal realm, which is invisible right. or unseen. You cannot see the incorporeal realm. Now, the other state, which is the pure spirit state, you see on those veils that are up at the top that are written near the head of Elohim, it says inscrutable and incomprehensible. Now, what I want you to understand is this, that when Yahweh designed the operation of the priesthood, he designed it for one priest, just one. The high priest was the only one that could penetrate through both veils. Now, what we have then is this, that that high priest has to wear those garments of beauty and glory that you can see pictured in the most holy place that that priest is holding the, holding the incenser. He's wearing those garments. On his breastplate are written all of the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and those stones, those precious stones. And on his two shoulders, you have two onyx stones, one on each shoulder, with six names of six tribes in one shoulder and six names of the other uh, 12 tribes in the other shoulder. Now, around his feet, you have the pomegranates, which are symbolic of the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Now, they're all on the garments of the high priest. Now, the high priest is a representation of Yahshua himself, who is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek means king of righteousness, and he was the king of Salem, which is peace. Mm -hmm. Now, Yahshua said that he told the apostles, and there it is right there, and Yahshua told the apostles in the 10th chapter of Matthew to go out and preach that the kingdom of Yahweh is at hand. Now, they went out and began to preach that. Now, the apostles at that time did not understand themselves what they were preaching. <laughs> at that point, everybody was still carnally minded, and many of those followers of Yahshua hoped that he was going to overthrow the Romans and set Israel up as a mighty kingdom like the, in the time of King David. And we know that Yahshua's job, he didn't come here to establish a kingdom on earth. And so he knew that they would come to understand the reality after the time of Pentecost. We all understand that. But we ha they had to go out and preach the kingdom is at hand. Now, after Pentecost, the kingdom is now being made manifest or revealed to us of what it is. Now, at one point, they asked Yahshua, they said, 
they said, uh, when will the kingdom come? And he said this. He said, the kingdom does not come with observation, for the kingdom is within you. Now, later after Pentecost, Paul writes that the kingdom is not meats and drinks, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, that it's mm -hmm. not meats and drinks, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy, where? In the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, which means that in order for you to enjoy the fruit of the kingdom, you're going to have to be in Yahshua. Your soul is going to be gathered together in him. Just like the garments, all of the names of the 12 tribes are on his breast, on that breastplate. And he's carrying the burden of their salvation upon his shoulders. And he's carrying up also those Gentiles that were prophesied about back in the law and in the prophets that he would gather them also. Now, what I want you to realize, take this off, go back to that that chart, uh, the 40-play uh, chart or whatever that chart was again. I'm not done with that one. Thank you. Now watch. When that priest comes from the court roundabout there through the holy place and puts on those garments of beauty and glory in the holy place, he is going to carry up all of those souls that are portrayed by the precious stones and the names and the ones with the pomegranate, which are the Gentiles, He's carrying them up with him to go through the veil that we call the second veil on plate one, which is being expressed on plate three as the veil of inscrutability and incomprehensibility. Now that means that Yahshua is carrying up those souls that the Father has given him into that place that we call the most holy place, which means to get past the uh, inscrutability and incomprehensibility of Yahweh. Now, I'm saying that to say this, that the Messiah, and this is in a transcript, Dr. Kinley in the transcript titled Explanation of the Godhead, talked about how no man has seen Yahweh at any time. And then he went on to say this in the same line, same paragraph, he said, now Yahshua is in the bosom of the Father. He sees him, and he is declaring him unto you. Now, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are being lifted up and penetrating past that veil of inscrutability and incomprehensibility in Yahshua, and he is revealing or declaring the Father to you now, so that you can know Yahweh in part, not in totality, but in part. And you can come to understand him in that pure spirit state. Because Yahweh's purpose is to make himself known. His purpose wasn't just to make Elohim and Yahshua known to you, but to make himself known by manifesting himself through Elohim and Yahshua. Now, all right. That covers that first verse that I wanted to work with. So let's go back over there for a minute. Now, I read said that to say this. You cannot serve Yahweh. You cannot love him. You cannot walk in all of his ways, nor can you fear him unless he gives you that heart. Back to Ezekiel where you left off, Sharon. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 25, uh, 24. A new heart also will I give you, 
and the new spirit will I put within you. Now, the you. reason why he's agreeing under this covenant to give us a new heart and new spirit, that was the problem of why the people couldn't keep the first covenant. They didn't have the heart. It wasn't it? They didn't have a, the heart to do it. It wasn't in their heart. And without that spirit, what we call the Holy Spirit, there is no revelation of the inscrutability and invisibility of Yahweh so that if you don't have a knowledge that Yahweh uh, see anything about him, didn't know anything about him, you can't possibly believe that Yahweh's real. Mm -hmm. And his job is to shine the light on the Father. Now I'm going to use, I'm going to say something to you, and I want you to understand the context and how I'm going to say this. There's a scripture where Yahweh said that darkness is his hiding place. Mm -hmm. Now I want to explain something to you. Don't get that in your head like you think of the actual darkness. Something it's all black and nobody can see anything, and Yahweh's hiding in a state that's all black and no light. Darkness, another term for darkness or a synonym, is to be incomprehensibility. In other words, not being able to understood or incomprehensible. So what you've got there, what you got there is this. Being obscure is the same principle as darkness. Now Yahweh in that state of pure spirit is obscure. He's not able to be comprehended. And so it's dark to you because you don't know anything about it. But now what Yahshua is, he's the light that lighteth up every man. And he is the light of the world. Now, what he's going to do is this. He's going to shine the light on Yahweh. In other words, he's going to shine that understanding, that knowledge, so that you can know that the Father is those divine attributes of intelligence, knowledge, and wisdom, and love, and beauty, and justice, foundation, power, strength. He's going to reflect those attributes. He's going to manifest them for you to know what they are so that you understand that's what Yahweh is. That's what Yahweh is is exactly those attributes that is being demonstrated by that divine nature. Now, none of us had that divine nature when we were born into the world. You had to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a reason why Yahshua told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. Because you're born into the world with the, the physical body that is made in the image and likeness, meaning you are... You are, as it were, a manifestation of that threefold pattern. But you do not have the divine nature yet. That nature can only happen by your soul being impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And Dr. Kinley put it like this. He said, now listen, the way you're born again or born from above is the same way you were born from beneath. And you say, well, what does that mean? What that means is the physical manifestations of the way we're born from a biological standpoint are pointing to the principles of how we're born from a spiritual standpoint. For an example, an ovum that comes forth from the ovary only has half the chromosomes, therefore it cannot complete its potential to become a full-fledged body. It doesn't have enough information, biologically. So, the sperm has to come from testes. The word testes, a man has two testes. Testes means witness or witnesses. So the sperm is the uh, proclaiming of the witnesses. 
And when those witnesses, when a man is fertile physically, means he has uh, obviously a, a, a large enough sperm count to impregnate a woman or an ovum. Now, spiritually, Yahshua has, has uh, get, compassed us about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, when we teach, we go back and we draw on those witnesses and we express them to you through the foolishness of preaching. You are spiritually having all of that spiritual, I'm going to use the term, sperm ejaculated into your soul, just like it is in a physical body. All those witnesses are being ejaculated uh, into the body to penetrate that hard protective covering of the ovum. Therefore, the witnesses are necessary to break down your disbelief, your uh, 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 theories, concepts, and opinions, and everything else that stops you from being one with the Father. Now, when that wit just one sperm breaks through, it has the ability for one little sperm to supply all the genetic information that the ovum doesn't have to tell it how to form a body. Now, you come into the world, you're just, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be funny or insulting, you're just an ovum walking around from a spiritual standpoint. That's all your soul is. Now, until the Holy Spirit preaches the gospel, fertile with witnesses, as Yahshua said, he that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So when all those witnesses are being expounded towards your heart and mind, and one witness penetrates into your heart and mind, and listen, they have shown this on a video, and I saw the video, that when the sperm penetrated the egg, there was a flash of light. There was actually a flash of light. When you sit in the room and the gospel is preached, and one of those witnesses that are being expressed to show you your creator all of a sudden hits in your heart and mind, and there's a flash of light. In other words, you're always revealing to you a principle or a point in this teaching that will make you so you'll never be the same again. From that point forward, you will not be the same person. You are being impregnated with the Holy Spirit in your soul. Now that Holy Spirit now is going to supply you with the information for you to grow, to become a new creature in Yahshua the Messiah. That's how you're born again. And it's by the foolishness of preaching. And it's by those as we say in the 10th chapter of Romans, how shall they believe without a preacher? And how beautiful are the feet of them whose feet are shed with the preparation of the gospel. That's what's going on here, ladies and gentlemen. We're trying to get you pregnant. Every time you come to class, we are trying to impregnate your soul with those knowledge, with the wisdom, with the intelligence, with the love, with the, the strength and power of this gospel. We're trying to impregnate you with those attributes right into your soul to cause you to have a flash of reality that makes you realize and become conscious that Yahweh is real. That's what the whole purpose is here. Now, once you have that, once you have that new heart and that spirit is within you, here's what's going to happen. You are then, with that new uh, uh, creature that is forming in you, by virtue of revelation from the Holy Spirit, you're going to fear Yahweh. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. When that revelation hits you, you will walk in absolute fear or respect or awe 
knowing that Yahweh is ever-present with you, that he is ever-present in everything you look at in, in, in nature, in the world. You're seeing that's Yahweh's spirit manifesting himself. See, and here's what else happens. It's going to cause your conscience to be imbued, you follow, with the knowledge as you grow in your understanding of what is acceptable and not acceptable to Yahweh so that you can walk in all his ways. And it's going to cause you to love him. To know Yahweh, to know Yahshua, is to love him, ladies and gentlemen. The more he reveals himself to you, the more love you're going to grow into. And you will serve him then with your heart, with your new heart, and with your new spirit. That's why this verse is so important here. This had to happen. This had to happen before they entered into the land of Canaan. Before we get... Our inheritance. And what's our inheritance now? Our inheritance is not getting the Holy Spirit. We already have the Holy Spirit through the foolishness of preaching. Our inheritance at the end of this age is to receive an immortal glorified body, just like Yahshua's when he appears. And that's what we're here. We're here to go on into ages yet to come and receive an immortal glorified body that has the capacity to learn things of Yahweh that your little physical body cannot begin to absorb that kind of knowledge and understanding. You just don't have the mental capacity for it in a physical body. So that's why we got to get a new body. Because what we're learning now is the foundation for the rest of our growth in the spirit. And when we go in the next age with that body that has an unlimited capacity to learn, to know, to hold uh, uh, information. Uh, when we have that body, Yahweh's going to open up many things to us that are impossible for us to appreciate or know now. And that's why we're hanging in here for that. It, we're waiting for our inheritance, that immortal glorified body, and then dwelling into a new creation, wherein dwelleth nothing but righteousness, love between all the brethren. And all the angels are our brethren too. And we have an innumerable company of angels, an innumerable company of, of brethren that we will now be with in the ages yet to come. Keep reading in uh, Deuteronomy 13 now. Uh, go back to Deuteronomy 10.13, please. Okay. To keep the commandments of Yahweh and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Read. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens belong to Yahweh thy Elohim the earth also, with all that therein is. Mm -hmm. Only Yahweh had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Now listen, right here in 15, he said, Yahweh had a delight in thy fathers. Well, what do you think? Yahweh bumped into him somewhere walking down the road, and <laughs> uh, all of a sudden Abraham told him a good joke. He says, hey, I like you. No. Yahweh delighted in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because Yahweh imbued within them. At that time, he imbued within them, the Holy Spirit was put within them for a temporary time, and that they would serve Yahweh, and that they would love him. Once that, when that Holy Spirit was in them. And I want you to know that Yahweh chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't find Yahweh. Yahweh found them. Yahweh brought 
Abraham out of Ur of the land of Chaldees and brought him to the land that he swore to him and his offspring. And so what he says here is that Yahweh delighted in your fathers and he chose their seed. Now, the seed, which is what we call Israel, was not did not choose Yahweh. Yahweh chose them long before any of them were even born. They were chosen by him to be his people. And see, and even you above all people, it is as it is to this day. Go ahead, keep reading, 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. Now he's talking to Israel here again. He told them to circumcise the foreskin of their heart. Now, they didn't even know what that meant. Well, how do, well, how do we circumcise the foreskin of our heart? They couldn't do it, ladies and gentlemen. They did not have the capability to circumcise their own heart. Now, I'll show you why that's manifested. Uh, go back over for a minute to the Moses chart, please. Now, on the Moses chart, when the people were camped there at Gilgal, Yahweh commanded Yahshua, the son of Nun. He didn't tell Moses to do it before he took him up Mount Nebo and took him out of the flesh. He had Yahshua do it over there in Gilgal. Guess what? Gilgal's on the, uh, you follow, is already in the land of Canaan, by the way, if you check your maps. And he told Joshua, now I've said that for a reason. Let me, I, I got to explain that. The boss just gave me the signal. We look at that River Jordan. We think everything past the River Jordan is Canaan's land and everything that's before it is the wilderness. Well, that's actually not right. Truthfully, Gilgal was already in the land of Canaan. And then they had to go over Jordan to fight with those tribes to conquer the rest of the land. But here's the point of that. You now are already in the promised land once you've been the gospel's been preached. You are now translated, not going to be translated. You have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, sitting right on the chair while you're still over on this side of the Jordan. Or I'll use Jordan as a veil. You're on this side of the veil, but you're already in Canaan's land or the promised land. You're already in Yahshua right now. You've been translated into that kingdom. And we're going to go over on the other side of the veil very soon. And that side of the veil is to take off these physical bodies, and put on that new glorified, immortal glorified body. Now what I want you to see is that Joshua, or Yahshua the son of Nun, was chosen to circumcise Israel with a sharp stone. Now that is to prefigure that Israel, now listen, when he, he wasn't circumcising babies that were eight days old. He was circumcising grown men that for all intent purposes are capable of holding a knife and cutting their own foreskin off. But they couldn't do it themselves. Joshua had to do it, or Joshua the son of Nun. Why? For the same reason that when Joshua bent down with a towel and began to wash the feet of the apostles when he came to Peter, Peter said, no, no, you don't wash my feet. And he said to Peter, Peter, you don't know what I'm doing. 
In Peter's mind, oh, I know what you're doing. You're washing my feet. And Yahshua said, look, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part with me in the ages yet to come or in my kingdom. Now, here's what Peter didn't realize, that that symbolic washing of his feet showed this, that you are not capable of cleaning your own self up. Now, what's at, what's at the bottom of your foot? What do you call the bottom part of your foot? Soul. You call it a soul. Now, if Yahshua was washing their soul, they're not capable of cleansing their own soul. It has to be done by the Holy Spirit. Here's another witness. When Moses was told to, to, uh, to anoint Aaron and his two sons, Nadab and Abihu, into the office of the priesthood, they had to go to that laver of water. And Aaron was Moses' older brother. He had to submit himself to Moses to wash him at that labor. And if Aaron did not let Moses wash him, he could not be anointed. Which is a symbol, symbolic of receiving the Holy Spirit. Now what I want you to understand, if you can see where I'm going with this, that it takes the Holy Spirit to wash you, to cleanse you, then in the same respect, it takes the Holy Spirit to circumcise you. You can't do it yourself. You need him to circumcise you. Now watch, go to Deuteronomy 30 and 6. Hold your finger in where we left off in the tonight's scripture reading, the 10th chapter. Go to Deuteronomy 30 and 6, my other reader. I think that's Linda. Now I got 30 and 6. And Yahweh the Elohim will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed to love Yahweh thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul that they mayest live. Now listen, the 10th chapter, he told them to circumcise the foreskin of their hearts, but they're incapable of doing it. But now in the 30th chapter, they're, this is right when they're going to cross over there into Gilgal, when they're ready to go. All right, because mm -hmm. Moses is going to go up after this and go up the mountain, and he's going to and he's going to be taken out. Now, watch. What I want you to realize is Moses is telling them now that Yahweh will circumcise the foreskins of your heart and cause you to love Him. He's going to do that. You can't do it. You can't do it of yourself. And so, what I might want you to see is the Holy Spirit is doing everything that causes us to be found acceptable, or meet, as it says in your Bible, to be a recipient of the inheritance. That's what Paul talks about in Colossians, the first chapter, giving thanks to him that has made us meet to be partakers of the sons in light in the inheritance. You follow? You can't do it yourself. But you have to, you can't be born again of yourself. You can't make yourself comprehend anything about this gospel. You can't have a revelation because you decided to have one. And I'm going to say it like this. You can't choose Yahweh unless he gives you a heart that will cause you to choose him, to love him, to do those things. He's doing everything, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing the whole work right within us. And the book says over there in Ephesians that we are the Yahshua's workmanship. It's his labor in each of us that he is performing 
that makes him worthy to present us to the Father, and we say it at the end of every class when we have our doxology, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Now, now unto who? Who's that? Who's him? It's Yahshua. He's able to keep us from falling and to present us before the presence of his glory acceptable. He's doing the work, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get that straight. And, and, and Yahweh makes it clear to Israel, you didn't choose me. I chose you way back. I chose you way back. Truthfully, he didn't even, he, Yahweh didn't first choose Israel uh, when Abraham came on the scene, if you think that. He chose them in the realm of eternity. But it has to play out in the realm of time. Now listen, keep reading 17. For Yahweh your Elohim is Elohim of Elohims, and master of master, a great Elohim, a mighty, and an awesome, or the terrible, who regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. Mm -hmm. He doth execute the justice for the fatherless and widow, and loveth the sojourner or stranger, in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the sojourner, for ye were sojourners in the land of Egypt. All right, I'll stop right there. I've said this many times in our meetings. I'm going to say it again. Every one of us that are brethren, that have Yahshua in us, we're just sojourners passing through this land. I'm, with the land what land? I'm not talking about the United States. I'm not talking about Canada. I'm not talking about any country. The land is us passing through this carnal, natural life. We're just passing through. We're sojourners. We're on a journey. And listen, this is not where we started. We started in Yahshua. All of us were chosen in him by Yahweh right from the beginning. That's Ephesians, the first chapter. We've come out of him and been in darkness and ignorance as to what we're a part of, where we came from, who we really are, all that stuff. And we've been put down into this physical creation and we have to be gathered back up and saved in Yahshua and take right back to where we started. The Israelites came out of the land of Canaan and had to go into Egypt where they became captive for many, many, cent or a couple, four centuries before Yahweh sent a deliverer to bring them up out of there. And we see the whole thing play with that migratory pattern. The lamb had to be offered up. They were saved by the blood of the lamb. They were taken into the wilderness, and now they are going to be formed into a nation. You follow? And structured according to what Yahweh uh, gave them to uh, how they were to conduct themselves in that wilderness and then eventually go right back to where it all started with them, which was the land of Canaan. We're all headed back to our destiny that we've come out of from the beginning, which Yahshua. We came out with nothing. Just like they came out of the land of Canaan with nothing, but they went back with great substance. We're going back with great substance. The upward journey is where we're taking on all of the treasures of Yahweh and we're putting on the glory in Yahshua the Messiah that he divested of himself when he came down out of pure spirit into the incorporeal and then into the corporeal. He's putting it back on on the way up. And you and I are in those garments and he's carrying us up with him. He's carrying us back into the most holy place that the Father, that he can reveal the Father to each and every one of us. And we are so, so blessed to be chosen by him. 
You follow? I wouldn't want it any other way. And I'll take no credit for anything that you recognize to be of Yahweh. It wasn't because of me. And Dr. Kinley was the same way. He said, don't, don't th think that I'm so smart that I came up with this. He said, if Yahweh hadn't showed it to me in the vision, I wouldn't know nothing about it. He said, I'm the champion of the idiots. And if I can understand this, anybody ought to be able to. Look, it would behoove all of us to honestly look at ourselves and say that we're the champion of the idiots. Don't take any credit upon yourself. Give it to Yahshua. Be thankful. Love him for what he's done, and love your brethren. I thank you so much for the opportunity. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Hallelujah to everyone. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today. We'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say hallelujah. 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 hallelujah.